Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you for listening. My guest today is Justin Walter. Before I get to Justin, I want to give a little bit of business. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. If you go there, you can see photos of our guests. You can see articles that I've written. You can see links to the guests' websites. You can listen to this podcast on our beautiful Art19 player. And you can see links to all our social media. And that is, of course, Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. And if you can, give us a like and a follow on all those platforms, please. There's links to Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe. And, of course, iTunes, where you can subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating? That's a nice thing to do. That boosts our presence, which helps more people find the show. And that's always a cool thing. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. I am fresh off the boat, literally. I just spent over a week uh, on the boat of the Ruby Princess. I was performing stand-up comedy, and I uh, did my first Hawaii trip. They flew me out to Honolulu, where I met the ship, and uh, went to Kauai for the first time. Only one day. This is the tough thing for me to handle on the cruise ship gigs. I've uh, never been to Kauai. Been wanting to go to Kauai for many, many years and uh, only had about seven hours to see things. I got off the ship and walked into town, not much into the capital of town, which is L-I-H-U-E, Lue, Lahue. Have no idea how it's pronounced. It's Hawaiian, folks. But as I was walking through town, I stumbled across a helicopter ride place and uh, signed up. They gave me a nice deal, safari helicopters. And I joined five other people in a helicopter later in the day, flying over Kauai, which is a gorgeous island. There's a reason they call it the Garden Island. Beautiful land, most of it inaccessible by car. So a helicopter ride is a great thing to do. And uh, they took care of us. So, safari helicopters, check them out next time you're in Kauai. Beautiful. That's where they shot a lot of uh, Jurassic Park. They showed us the places where uh, they shot for the movie. And, man, it really does look like that. Not kidding. And as someone who gets seasick and motion sickness, um, did okay. I did okay. There were some queasy moments on the copter, I'm not going to lie. But uh, they say... One of the good things you can do, and it worked for me, is stop looking through your camera or your phone and uh, take your eyes off that and look outside, and uh, helps a lot. Helps a lot with the queasiness. So do that, and take your Dramamine, which I did. Cool experience. And speaking of cruise ship gigs, I am going to be working in Europe. My first uh, European cruise gig, I'm going to be on the Crystal Symphony, and I guess Crystal is a high-end cruise line, and I have no idea what to expect there, but I know it's going to be fancy, and I will be wearing a suit and tie and the whole deal. <laughs> um, I will be on the Crystal Symphony between May 29th and June 8th. I will be going uh, from Bordeaux, France, up to Amsterdam, and I'm going to be stopping in towns like La Rochelle, Guernsey, the island of Guernsey, then back to France, St. Malo, Honfleur, I'm probably mispronouncing all these places, London, which I don't think it's really going to be London, it's going to be hours outside of London, unfortunately, and then Antwerp, and then Amsterdam. So if you are familiar with any of those places and you have recommendations on things to see and places to go in La Rochelle, Guernsey, St. Malo, Honfleur, Antwerp, Amsterdam, let me know. It's been over 25 years since I've been to Amsterdam. Very excited to go back there. And I'm planning to stay in Europe for a lot of June. So going to spend some time in Belgium. Never really did Belgium before. So any recommendations in Brussels, Bruges, Ghent, let me know. After that, I plan to spend some time in France for the Euros, the European Soccer Championships. I'm very excited for that. I, I've never been to a World Cup 
And as a soccer fan, uh, it's always been a dream of mine. And this is the next best thing, the European Championships. It's going to be going on between June 10th and July 10th, I believe, all throughout France. And I want to check out some games while I'm there. So very exciting. Very exciting. I plan to see some friends, shoot some good video, take amazing photos, and you can follow along at the Travel Tales podcast. So any recommendations from any of those places that I mentioned, write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get to Justin Walter. Justin Walter's a guy in my line of work. He's a TV host and a traveler. He's got his own travel blog, Around the World with Justin. Follow him there. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at ATWJustin. And we met at a Travel Massive meetup group event for Travel Media, where I've met uh, a number of guests for this show. And it's always good to network and uh, meet people. And Justin is uh, newer to the travel blogging scene, but he seems to have taken to it quite well. And it was great to meet him and hear his travel tales. And I think you're going to enjoy it as well. So please enjoy my talk with Justin Walter. Is that your real name? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a nice showbiz name. I know. Usually you think like, okay, that's his middle name probably. And then what did he change it from? Yeah, my middle name is Steinberg. Fran- something Francesco. So Francesco. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's nice. So I, yeah, my 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 real name is Justin Walter, and never before, obviously, moving to LA, had people said, "Is that your real name?" That is a common <laughs> question I get. And yes, it is my real name. And where are you from originally? I'm originally from Naperville, Illinois. I don't know if you've heard know, of it. Of course, I'm from Chicago. Oh, you are. Yes. Ah. I grew up south of the city, around uh, like uh, Chicago Heights, Park Forest. Okay. There, a town called University Park. Oh, cool. And I uh, went to Northern Illinois, so I oh, knew a lot. A lot of people from Naperville. Yeah. I lived, after college, I lived, well, my family moved to Oak Park when I was in college. Okay. And then uh, after college, I lived downtown at like Belmont and Racine in Lakeview. Yep. On uh, Barry. Mm-hmm. Barry and Racine. Cool. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I know Naperville very well. Yeah, I grew up in the Chicagoland suburbs and uh, that's where born and raised, 18 years. I think Naperville now is the second biggest city in Illinois. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, definitely the largest yeah, it, Chicagoland like, suburb. Naperville and Aurora passed, mm-hmm. I think it was Rockford was the Probably. second biggest. I mean, it's, yeah, after Chicago, there's, there used to be nothing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's crazy how much it grew because I used to drive, I, going to college. I would have to drive oh, yeah. past Northern, right? Naperville and Aurora, yeah. and this was the eighties. <laughs> um, it was nothing. It was like farms, yeah. you know. And now it's it's like one whole suburb out to DeKalb. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. So it's when good. did you come out here? So I moved out to LA after graduating college. I went to school in Boston. I went to Boston oh, College. That's awesome. It was a great experience. I loved my four years there. And then afterwards, I moved out here the summer after graduating. So back in two thousand seven. Okay. So I've been out here. Going on nine years. My ninth year anniversary will be coming up. I moved out on my mom's birthday, and she cried. Oh, really? (laughs) And hugged me in the garage saying, you're never going to come back, and so far she's right. (laughs) (laughs) So no desire to stay on the East Coast to Uh, go to New York? No, yeah, I I don't think... I enjoyed my four years on the East Coast, but I don't think I'd want to live there long-term. One summer, I worked in New York City, so I lived in Manhattan, and that was enough for me. I'm a West Coast kind of outdoor adventure guy, and I'd rather live by the beach and mountains and and California, California life. I know. Boston College, though. I'm always envious of people that went to college in Boston because it's just like... I would say that's my favorite uh, line, the throwaway line in Spinal Tap, the movie. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, Boston canceled. Oh, don't worry. It's not a big college town. Anymore. <laughs> it's always my favorite one. It's like 50 colleges or oh, something. Yeah. and It's nuts. It was, it was great. I mean, I actually went there kind of accidentally. Uh, How do you it, accidentally go to college so in Boston? So my family's a big Notre Dame family. Ah. And my sister I'm sensing a there. big Catholic uh, Catholic family. upbringing, yeah. Sure. I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade. At least you avoided Paul. Notre Dame. You didn't have to go I to know. South Bend. Well, luckily, well, in Boston College, it's a Jesuit university, so it's basically oh. Catholic. But uh, I didn't get into Notre Dame. And oh, really? when I didn't get in, I actually had to look at my other options because I had planned my whole life to go to, to Notre Dame. I was born, go to Notre Dame. My sister and grandpa went there. And then I had applied to Boston College just because my counselor said this is very similar to Notre Dame. You know, you should just check it on the Common App. So I checked it on the Common App. I remember when I got accepted, I literally opened it up and said, I'm not going to go there. Put it on the the microwave in our kitchen. (laughs) And then lo and behold, when I got rejected from Notre Dame, I actually had to look at other options. Looked at Boston College, loved it, went out there and had a great time. Uh, Can I guess some of your other options? Sure, yeah, yeah, here we go. Were they all Catholic? No. 
They weren't all Catholic. Not so all you Catholic. didn't try like Marquette or anything like that? I did not that? apply to Marquette. Okay. There's um, a Chicago land school. DePaul? Nope. Hmm. Bigger. Bigger. Oh, U of I? No, hmm. not bigger. Actually, think of uh, On the Lake. On the Lake? Near the Lake. Lake Michigan. In Illinois. It's similar to like a Notre Dame, Boston College. Oh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Oh, sure. Northwestern. Big Northwestern mafia here in uh, Hollywood. Oh, there is? Oh, my God. I wish I had a, a dime for every time I had a meeting or something with an agent or a network person. They're like, oh, do you, you're from Chicago. Did you go to Northwestern? Oh. I went to Northwestern. I, went to, I was like, yeah, they, they wouldn't <laughs> have let me in. I was not either A, smart enough, or B, could afford it. So I was out. <laughs> I would say my dad set us down me and my sister and brother in high school and so you guys can go to school anywhere you want if it's an illinois state school yeah that narrowed it down yep yeah so i went to northern illinois my brother went to western and my sister went to u of i awesome yeah i applied to u of i that was the only i think illinois school i applied to i didn't know notre dame was that hard to get into i guess well it's it's I think harder for people in the Midwest to get into because so many people in the Midwest want to go to Notre Dame. So you're being compared to Midwestern, you know, applicants. Whereas I think it was easier for me to get into Boston College because I was from the Midwest. Whereas Boston College is like the Notre Dame of the East Coast. So a lot of people on the East Coast, when I got there and actually met people from Boston, that area, a lot of them said, oh, my, a lot of my friends didn't get in here because it's so selective. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, what happened to me at Notre Dame happened to someone at Boston College. So kind right. of, you know, vice versa. What is the hierarchy like in Boston College as it compared to like Emerson? As compared to all those other schools that are there. There's Boston University. Yeah. Is that oh, yeah. public? You, Boston University, I believe, is public, and Boston College is much better. Sucks to, <laughs> you know, okay. what you say, sucks to be you. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And, but, like, I mean, do the Boston Harvard College, people all stay to themselves? They stay like, to themselves because, you know, Boston College is better than Harvard, too. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in the world knows it's that. It's interesting. The only one that we, I felt like I actually someone interacted with was northeastern a little bit i i did study abroad through boston university's internship program so even though i went to boston college i chose to study abroad externally instead of through boston college okay and i did that because boston university offers an internship program where you can actually work abroad while you're at you're studying abroad so i looked in the program i liked it it was cheaper than actually going to boston college and it was a Oh, let me get that a little closer. It was a, a cool experience. I, I always wanted to study abroad in Australia, and I oh, chose, you went to Australia. I studied abroad in Australia. That's kind of cheating. Not it's, cheating. It's not a huge culture shock. It's not a huge culture shock. But so growing up in the Midwest, I hardly, I didn't travel really outside of the United States beyond a family trip to maybe Mexico. Yeah, um, I didn't I, even get that far. Yeah, I, I never left. Until I got out of school. Yeah. And I was actually a political science major at Boston College. So I was getting pushed by my department to go to South America or Europe. And I had always wanted to go to Australia. Uh, and partially was when I watched season two of Survivor back in the day. <laughs> sure. Survivor Australia. Uh-huh. When it was, you know, the biggest audience of Survivor history <laughs> for the premiere, I fell in love with Survivor and Australia. And I remember watching the show and really thinking, I want to go live in Australia. And that's kind of what inspired me to want to study abroad in Australia and live in Australia instead of going with what my department had want, wanted me to do. Now, did they send you to Sydney or Melbourne, or did, or did you get? I the, chose to apply States? to. I chose to apply to the Sydney program. Okay, well, so that's it was, yeah, great and city. it was an internship program. So I worked for SBS Television in Australia, and I intera- I lived, you know, with the BU students and the other study abroad students, but then. I worked with Australians, and then all, on all the weekends, I took off and went on trips. So would, this was like three, four months? This was four months, about four months, okay. three to four months, yeah. So what was your, I mean, you took classes? I mean, took what, classes. What, did you? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. I mean, you know, was it hard? It wasn't that Drawing hard. a blank. Actually, this program was harder than all of my other friends who studied abroad through, I think, even Boston College, because not only were we taking a full amount of classes, but we were working full time. So we, for eight weeks, we were working 40 hours a week, commuting back and forth to wherever our jobs were and taking classes on top of that. What kind of jobs? 
Um, my internship was, I, I believe it was a marketing type internship with SBS television. So I was working with the TV sh- channel and going on shoots and locations and working with the team on just kind of, you know, regular intern work. Uh, but it was, I, I commuted 45 minutes to an hour, both ways on the train going to my internship. And on top of that at night would return to take classes. So it was a little more rigorous than a regular study abroad program. So was you were in radio TV? Was that your thing? I did. I didn't study radio television, but I did electives and internships and, um, kind of took a, classes, the communication or broadcast writing in addition to my major. I didn't want to be a communications major. I thought I wanted to go to law school after school and go that track. But I always loved television. Never really thought of growing in the Midwest as being like a TV host or a producer as like a possible job. Um, going back well, to my... Yeah, yeah, where we grew up. And you say you wanted to be in show business. People looked at you like you were nuts. Yeah. You well, might as well have been, I want to walk on Mars. I know. And you know from being from Chicago, yes, it's like, what? Does you can't that. do that. It's and not a job. People, you know, oh, just do a traditional regular job. And I remember you probably I'll probably referenced Survivor a couple times on this podcast because <laughs> I'm a super fan. But growing up, I ran full-scale Survivor games for my family in the Chicagoland area at a forest in our backyard. So I made them play in like a three-day Survivor game. And we had one of our – so I was 16 years old. One of our family friends filmed it and kind of did the, our own little Survivor show. And afterwards, he had me do pickups where I did like hosted little segments. And and, <laughs> and this is the first – I'd never done anything like this yeah. besides being the uh, you know elector at church or uh, reading the school announcements in high school. But I remember him, it was a distinct moment for me when he said, you should go into broadcasting. You're really good at this. And I thought, what are you, what? That's not a career option. And then when I went to Boston College, I joined a TV show called Now You Know and, you know, met people through that and then started hosting the TV shows there and then decided, you know, I don't want to go to law school. I could always go to law school. I'm going to try the TV route. And here I have been in L.A. for eight years trying the TV route. Well, we should tell people what you host now. Yeah. So in Los Angeles, I host three different local-based travel shows, L.A.-based shows. One's called Let's Go L.A., and that one we I've been doing for seven years, and it airs on like the LA County Channel and, and all the LA City channels. And we go to different parks and recreation facilities and do kayaking, surfing, Catalina Island zip lining, undersea treks. So it's basically outdoor adventure, what we can do and explore in LA. One in Santa Monica called Get Out, where it's a lifestyle travel show, going to bars and restaurants and cooking and eating food mm. and workout classes. And it's basically like, how am I getting paid to do yeah. these things? And you know from hosting, it's like, I'm really getting paid to do these fun <laughs> activities? This is amazing. Did you audition for these or did you uh, produce them yourself? So when I first moved to LA, I did a, a hosting class. And one of my friends was hosting the show, Get Out. And we became friends in it. And she knew her boss was looking for a male host for the Let's Go LA show. So she passed me on to her. Then when her old co-host, after four years for Get Out, left the show, then she brought me in as her replacement host. So I didn't have to audition for these ones. These ones were were for connections. Oh, nice. So was this Marquis Costello's class? Oh, how did you know? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) How many hosting classes are there? It's a rite of passage to go through Marquis' boot camp, right? Who was the other – who was the host that – Who's the the female co-host? Uh, my female co-host was Natalie uh, Forte Hort- Horton. I don't know. She she did that, and then my Let's Go LA host was one of my good friends that I brought in, Evangeline Fabia. Okay, yeah. Wow. So it's all local LA fun travel mm-hmm. shows, and I've been doing that. Um, for a while here in LA and working on independent projects abroad or kind of trying to sell my own shows and, and do my own thing and see where that all goes. So when you did, went to Australia for the yeah. first time, yes, that was really your first big trip abroad, overseas. Yeah. What struck you about traveling overseas and being out of the country mm-hmm. and Australia that maybe you didn't expect? So one thing, you know, obviously Australia is not a huge culture shock, so right. that wasn't a big deal. One experience I had that really kind of changed the way I travel nowadays and over the past 10 years is I wanted to go to the Australian Outback. And everyone was traveling in groups on the weekends. You know, who wants to go to Fraser Island or kind of the, the typical I stuff? I went there. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And nobody wanted to go to the Australian Outback with me. And I said, this is one of the reasons why I chose to study abroad here. I'm going to go. So I chose to go by myself. So that was the first time I had ever internationally traveled by myself, not knowing anyone, and basically just flew to Alice Springs 
and joined a tour group. I was one of the, I think I was the only American on the tour group. Really? Yeah. Went to the Big Rock? They went to Ayers Rock (laughs) and Uluru and Kings Canyon and the Olgas and did a three-day camping trip in the Australian Outback. And it was, I put myself out there, 21 years old, never traveled alone like that. And it was awesome just kind of realizing how, you know, here I was with people from China and all over the world that half the people didn't even speak English, but we all came together as a group. We became good friends, got to know each other on a whole different level. And it opened my eyes to the idea of like backpacking solo and how when I backpacked on that trip solo, I learned a lot about myself. I made so many new friends and connected with people from all over the world that I wouldn't have otherwise if I were with friends. And then from that point moving forward, I've done a ton of backpacking solo trips um and i I love it it's kind of how i prefer to travel no sometimes i have friends meet up with me and i love that because it's fun to have those shared experiences with friends but i do realize and feel like when i'm traveling with friends i don't meet a lot of new people because you kind of stick with your friend whereas when i do travel solo and travel alone you're i'm forced to make friends you know and and i love that part of it australia was my first solo trip overseas yeah and it's a nice starter because it's like you know there's no language problems and again it's not a big culture shock but it's good to know that you can go out and do it on your own and you know and i didn't get out to the outback when i was there i was there for six weeks but in the middle of the summer so it was like january february okay and every time i say i wanted to go to the I want to go to the center, and they're like, "It's going to be 120 degrees." Yeah. <laughs> You're an idiot. Don't you know? Don't do it. So I didn't. I didn't get to go. So when I go back, I definitely want to. You definitely, and one I would 100 percent recommend sleeping outside in a swag bag and being under the stars. The stars in the sky in the Australian outback was unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like I describe it sometimes. I wrote a journal, and in my journal, I wrote like I felt like I was looking at. A, a ceiling that was painted black and somebody just threw glitter in, you know, and glue into the air and everything just like I saw so many shooting stars and it was just so majestic just to be in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing there and it just has such an energy that is indescribable and I would definitely recommend that when you go back to Australia, you have to go to the Outback. Did you make any beginner mistakes as a traveler overseas? Um, I did lose my passport in oh, Australia. Here we go. How did this happen? I don't even remember. I think it fell out of my pa- pocket or something. But I was so lucky that I called the uh, was the embassy. The embassy. And someone turned it in, and it was waiting there for Aww. me. So I got super lucky. Wow, but, an honest country. An honest an, country. Not lucky, very lucky. And luckily, it was just my passport, and it wasn't a wallet with money and other yeah. credit cards and, and that. So that's the thing that sticks out as like the, the biggest mistake I made. Uh, but I can't really think of, when I was in Australia, anything other specific of mistakes I made. I would say if I didn't choose to travel where I wanted to go, then that would have been a mistake because I did other trips as well, like to Tasmania. And See, I want to go there. That seems really cool. Yeah, Tasmania is awesome too. It, it's totally different than the terrain in Australia, obviously, because it's an island off the coast. There's if penguins you, too, right? I mean, you, there's penguins there. I didn't there. see te- penguins there, but yeah. I, I, I think so. I think there are. Um, but Tasmania re- reminded me more of New Zealand. I went right. to New Zealand after Australia. And yeah, I went before and then I did that. But yeah. New Zealand's gorgeous. Oh, did you do the North or South Island? South Island. I did the South Island too. I did the Kiwi Experience bus, hopped on, hopped off for two weeks. I did a continent. Tiki. Oh, you did? That was the only, one and only time I did a Contiki. Oh, the organized tour. Oh, the bus, yeah. Yep. It's all 20-somethings getting drunk. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... But that was just the South Island. Yeah, I, did, I didn't do the North Island either. I just did the South Island and went to one of my favorite towns is Queenstown. I don't know if yeah, you... Yeah, it's cool. Oh, I went hang gliding, the bungee bungees. jumping, at the Nevis... The jet boat ride, did you do that? I didn't do the jet boat. I did Milford Sound, the Nevis bungee jump... And hang gliding. Oh, and oh, it was, they were all incredible. I'd already done skydiving. Otherwise, I would have done skydiving there. I've had friends who have done skydiving in New Zealand and the South Island, and it's gorgeous. Is there always a physical aspect of your trips, usually, if you're like an outdoorsy? Yeah, I do. Thing? Looking back at a lot of my trips, I think a lot of them are f- like physical outdoor trips. Uh, I, I like the outdoor adventure. I'm more drawn towards a jungle than a city. And a lot of my travels over the past couple of years have been five-day treks. I did a five-day trek uh, to the Lost City in Colombia, which was going through rivers and waterfalls and sleeping in mosquito nets and hammocks in the middle of the Colombian jungle. And uh, we had a group of 12 of us. And 
again, another experience where it's you are, your, my phone was off the whole time. And the only thing I had was the people to relate to and to, to get to know and <laughs> getting to the lost city after three days of tough hiking was incredible. Um, I did by myself in Patagonia, a five day trek through Torres del Paine in Chile. And it was basically the, the circuit is called the W circuit, which is really popular where you kind of go hike in the form of a W, um, going through glaciers and mountains and, um, getting to these tourists that are these just beautiful mountainous spires or, uh, in the air <laughs> and it, under with a lake and all these remote treks, uh, in Patagonia is just incredible. Um, but yeah, I do love physical outdoor activity that's kind of what i'm drawn towards when i travel so you're are you a scuba diver like in i'm Australia, not a you scuba diver oh, i know i must i've gone snorkeling a lot in a lot of different places but i haven't done scuba diving i did get certified for my let's go la show or not certified but i took a class in a pool but i haven't done scuba diving okay i would do it i have a, a history of swimmers ear problems oh so that's why i've stayed away from scuba diving but i think nowadays uh I don't have tubes in my ears anymore. <laughs> I did in college. Oh, I, you did? I had tubes in my ears for my swimmer's ear, which not oh. a big deal, uh, while I was on my parents' insurance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, I would definitely give scuba diving a, a, a try and go for it. So tell me, what is this lost city in Colombia? I, I don't know if I'd heard of this. Yeah, so it's, it's called Ciudad Perdida. And it's a five-day, or you could do it in four days. I would not recommend four days. It was tough enough as a five-day trek. And it's basically a city that was inhabited by Colombians that is no longer, you know, no one's living there anymore. And it's just overtaken by the land and moss and, and kind of, it's not like, it's not like Machu Picchu. It's not like, um, Mayan temples in Guatemala. It's more of like a huge staircase up to this like big plateau platform with kind of ruins and I would say the trek is more about the actual trek than the actual lost city. It's not anything like Angkor Wat where you'd be like amazed by what you see when you get to the city. It's more of kind of, um, you know, a few centers for where they probably did some sacrifices in one area, but nothing crazy when you get to the city. It's more of the, the trek to the city that's amazing. Okay. So you fly into, well, you started in like, I, Cartagena? I, flew, I actually did this trip with one of my friends and we started off in Bogota, but then we just connected to Cartagena. Then from Cartagena, after spending time there, we took a a bus or van to Taganga, um, which is a city a couple hours away. And then from there, we got picked up for the trek. We're taken to kind of the the town, small town. I don't even remember the name of it. Outside of the trek, did the five day trek. And then after the trek, I would recommend we also did Tayrona National Park, which is like a Beautiful beaches, very remote, huge rock formations in the middle of the water, um, right outside of kind of the the Ciudad Perdida trek. So there's two awesome outdoor adventure activities to do right next to each other in that area. Oh, nice! Yeah, did uh... it's all all this is on the northern coast. When I did Colombia, it was a, a we did a route all based on the northern coast. Okay, so I still haven't been to Colombia. Columbia is great. Is this trek something you can you need a guide for, or yes. you can do it on your own? So you do need a guide uh, okay. to go on it. So it's kind of they go in groups, and uh, the only trek that I've done so far in my experience that wasn't guided was the um, Torres del Paine in Chile. I did a five day trek in Guatemala to the Mayan ruins of El Mirador. And that one was you needed a guide. I actually flew to Flores, the town where the 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 guides kind of organized the tour groups and when i got there no one was signed up to go on the trek so <laughs> i was like i came specifically to guatemala to do this trek so i spent 24 hours going hot to the different hostels in the town and after about 36 hours i had a total of 11 of us going on the trek so i had persuaded and uh, got a total a group of 12 of us including me to do this five-day trek to the through the Mayan ruins of El Mirador in Guatemala. That's a good sales job. It was. A, I mean, I I told the guy. He said, "You need one more person. We do a minimum of two people." So I got one person, and I was like, "Does the cost go down if we get more people?" He said, "Yeah, the more people that go, the less the le the it would cost less per person." So then um, I just went on a roll, 
And I said, can I get commission out of this? Or should I, can I go for free? But uh, so we had, yeah, we had a great group of us. Um, again, I was the only American in the group doing this trek and through the Mayan ruins of El Mirador, which has the largest Mayan pyramid in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Called, so, called La Danta. Okay. So, like, in U.S. dollars, how much would it be if you got that big group? Yeah. I, can't, I think it was around for five days. I, it came down to less than $100 per day. It was really, like, I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I think it was – I could go look at it because I keep track on my phone on what I spend when I go on trips. But I think it was probably around, like, three-ish in the 300 to 400 range or so. And I – they pay for you know it includes the camping gear the food they prepare the food and the meals for you the whole time oh, they do yeah so you basically are hiking with your clothes and so they, you're carrying you're carrying just a small backpack a day pack and a they have pack. the big yes so they oh, have that's nice. they have donkeys or oh, really? mules or whatever that have all the Alpacas. food yeah <laughs> they have the food going in and they prepare all your meals all your snacks all of that and it, you're just hiking the whole time so okay. yeah, it was no, cool. it's nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, is this high elevation? Or are, we, are we getting? No, like- it wasn't high elevation. I would say out of the out of the the treks that I I've done, that one was it was a very flat and muddy kind of trek. The path, whereas like the Colombian one was very waterfalls and rivers and luscious greenery. This one was more of like in Guatemala, almost through like a forest. Uh, it felt like I was hiking and trekking through a forest, and then obviously the the one in Patagonia was mountains and, and more of like a that was the hardest, most physically demanding thing I've ever done in my life. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I have I still haven't been to Patagonia. I did yeah. Kilimanjaro a couple years oh, ago, cool. but uh, I Patagonia is up on my list, oh, but I haven't been down there. It's amazing. Yeah. So would, you did a how many day trek? There? So I did. Uh, it's called. Uh, you have to look it up. Torres del Paine, and they have a circuit called the w which is a five-day trek then they also have one that does a full loop the pine circuit which is the the full loop which i think you could do it in around seven eight nine days and that's one of the most popular treks in patagonia to do um also fitzroy is uh another popular trek that's more of a day you can do that in a day hike which i did as a day hike um also ice trekking on prito moreno glacier in argentina is beautiful Patagonia is just stunning. It's it's gorgeous. So, do any of these require any kind of uh, mountaineering or yeah. training? None of these required mountaineering. Okay, I've good. I've never done like Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest. Well, that one didn't. That, that didn't. That, oh, it that didn't. You don't need ropes or anything. Oh, you didn't. No, okay. no, no. But cool. uh, some of the other ones, we had a girl Rachel Brill that was on this one. She's trying to do the seven. I listened that. to that podcast. Yeah. She, yeah. She does more hardcore stuff yes. and learning like crampons, ropes, ice picks, and that kind of. Yeah, that's a that's that's more heavy duty. Yeah, this stuff anybody can do. There's some physical or age requirements, specifically, for example, on the Perito Moreno Ice Trek, the Big Ice Trek. It's a company you can either do the Big Ice Trek or the Mini Ice Trek if you want to actually walk on the glacier. And there were age and weight requirements, but then they show you how to use the the crampons and all the gear and it was it was pretty easy it wasn't we weren't scaling any yeah. you know sides of any mountains or glaciers or anything but all of the ones that i did in patagonia did not require any expertise and and anybody could do them and were all of them Still, you just carrying the small pack, and they somebody else carried the big. Yeah, wasn't so, you have to no, carry everything? No, no, no. So okay. the W track, I carried everything, and that was one. That'll of make it harder. Why it was the one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I went solo, and I was so confused because all the other tracks I had done, I had to do with a tour group, and this one. They recommend just go do it on your own. Go do it with your friends or whoever you're there. There's the option of either camping or you can stay in refugios where you basically would hike with a day pack and then you would sleep in kind of a dorm-like you know, spot at all the campsites. I chose not to do that. I chose to do the camping. So I, I didn't have any camping gear or anything. So in the town of Puerto Natales, where I started from, I rented my camp gear. I rented the big backpack. I rented my tent. I rented the cooking, you know, the pans and all that oh, stuff, the heaters and everything. And I had this. So the, all this equipment's new to you. All you this gotta... equipment's new to me. Huge pack on my back. And here I am going to go trekking for 
five days and it was very physically demanding um, doing it solo. And not only that, but there was time where it was pouring rain or there was time where the winds literally knocked me to my feet. And you're solo through all this. Solo through this. But I did along the way make some friends with some of the other people that were going solo. I remember at one of the stops, it was at the refugio and it was the winds were so strong the rain was so strong and i went inside to have like a hot tea and i met this old woman who not old but older woman compared to everybody around she was in her late 50s and martina and she just sat next to me with her glass of wine and we just chatted and she's a teacher in europe and on her summers and breaks she just goes and backpacks the world and camping like that so it was awesome but, you know, then I made friends with her and then we hiked together for some of it. Um, but, yeah, by myself for most of the time. What were the temperatures that was hitting? What, like how cold was Yeah, I mean, at night I was in the, you know, a sleeping bag that kept me warm. And I think the temperatures were probably, I would say, like meh, 15 to 20 degrees or so. Not, you wow. know, it was colder. Um, I went when it was kind of a colder time. But during the day, it was, I didn't have a winter coat. I just kind of had a fleece and a um, kind of a rain jacket on. So I would say maybe it was in the thir- 40s or so. Nothing crazy cold. Um, but it was more of the winds that made it feel a lot colder. What's the uh, – any mishaps with the equipment you rented that maybe you couldn't handle? Um, for I, The good thing was where I rented it from, they made us – set up the tent before we went. So I had to set up the tent before I went and made sure all one, the equipment was there and that I knew how to set it up. So I was good to go on the tent. The only real equipment that the, that I'd never really used before was, um, the, the fire with the gas and like kind of, you know, uh, the the propane, the propane. Yeah. So it was just kind of figuring that out every time. And once you figure that out, it, it was very easy to, to light it and get it going every time. And that's where I made my, my soup and my meals and, you know, my hot tea to go to bed with. And, uh, pretty ballsy though. I mean, if it's something, if you got hurt or something along the trail, did you have like a GPS or anything? I didn't have a GPS along the trail, but the good thing about the trail is there's, there's definitely other people hiking it. You know, I, it wasn't like I didn't into the wild. It wasn't, I was not pulling a, (laughs) I was going to say a Reese Witherspoon. The other one. yeah. Yeah. It was not an into the wild where it was like, if, I, you, someone doesn't hear from me in five days, please come find me. It was, there's definitely a lot of hikers there that are doing the trail and you pass them, you see the same faces. I, I remember going on the boat ride to the starting point at one end of the W, just looking around at the faces that were all strangers, people I'd never seen before. And then by the end of the trip, they were people I saw at every stop, at every campsite, and that I knew their names. And it was people that went from strangers to being, I know where they live, I know their names, I know where they're from. Right. How yeah. did how long was the whole trip down to Patagonia? I mean, was it like a two-week thing? So or... I spent three weeks in Patagonia. Okay. So I did going – I went far south. I didn't get to the furthest mo- most point, but um, – Punta Arenas, I believe, was the town I went to, and I saw like penguins for a day, and yeah. then I started making, you know, just kind of to get rid of the jet lag, and then made my way up to Torres del Paine. That's what I wanted to do. So I went from Torres del Paine, and then I headed over from Chile to Argentina, where I went to El Calafate. That's where I did the the glacier trek. Then I did um, a couple days in El Shelten, which is the hiking where there's Fitzroy and a couple other famous hikes in that area. And then from there, I actually booked a ticket and went to Bariloche, which is up north. And it's actually in the winters. It's a very popular ski destination in Argentina. And I was there in November, and it was kind of their springish time. So... One of the popular things to do there was bike riding through Bariloche. Um, and so that was cool. And then from Bariloche, I went to um, Iguazu Falls. Oh, so I there. went all over. I've been there. Oh, then you went way up then. Yeah, so I went to Buenos Aires, then Iguazu Falls, and then back to Buenos Aires. So I did kind of a big zigzag. And I did go, I did use flights to get to Bariloche and Bariloche to Buenos Aires and Iguazu Falls just because. Even in three weeks, even though that's a huge amount of time, it's such a huge country that if I would have taken buses, I would have spent three days, you right. know, four days on a bus. How big's your? Uh, how good is your Spanish? 
Hablo un poco español. Sí, sí. The accent in Buenos Aires especially is crazy. Cuando hablando español, muchos people laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's actually, it's I have fun communicating with my broken Spanish, even though I studied it for years in the Chicago school system. Two years in college. Yeah, I can write it better than I can, you know, actually talk it. Um, but I, yes, I am able to get by with my Spanish and communicate on a basic level. Is there one of these trips that, was there any moments that you were just lying there, maybe getting rained on and just going, what, what the hell yeah, am I doing here? The, I think it was the third or fourth night in Patagonia on that hiking trip that I didn't sleep at all. I couldn't sleep because the winds were so strong. My tent was basically horizontal on top of me. So I was lying there in my sleeping bag. The wind was so loud. I put in my headphones and I had my phone with music. And the music fully blasted, didn't drown out the the noise of the wind. And it was raining. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> and as soon as like the sun started rising and the, you know, the winds were still going strong, but it wasn't raining, I packed my stuff and was like, I need to get out of here and just get to the next location. And I did not sleep a wink that night so it was like a very long night Ooh. uh and i it was probably the toughest night i've ever had on a trip that i've taken God, so not you never had got close to any kind of frostbite or anything no no yeah never any frostbite or anything or never any like health issues that i thought oh my gosh i'm not gonna make it the only the only i've only gotten sick once while traveling and that was my most recent trip to the philippines I was island hopping throughout El Nido, and on the second day of island hopping, I think I must have eaten something that was not good, and I had food poisoning for 24 hours, and that's when I was on my, I felt like I was on my deathbed. Yeah. Could not move. That was me in India. Oh, it is tough. I've it's never awful. had food poisoning traveling over the past 10 years. I had never. Isn't it? It's, it it's awful. debilitating. <laughs> yeah. I was like trying to get Gatorade somewhere and I couldn't make it anywhere. It was so Do you rough. remember what you ate or what it was? I think it was chicken. I'm not sure. That was when I look at yeah. the picture because I took photos of you know the whole trip. And when I looked at the plate of food, the only thing that it could have been, I think, was chicken. Ooh. Yeah. I, I wasn't a big... The, the Philippines... I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I like the Philippines, so I went for food. Not the food. No, not, not that good. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's I amazing was, how they screw it up so badly. I don't know. How, I would say surrounded by the greatest food in the world. Yeah, I don't know. It's like why is the, it so bad? I here? was very underwhelmed by the food in yes. the Philippines. My friend, disappointing. I had a friend that met up with me. I was um, traveling for two and a half weeks throughout the Philippines. I went to Borneo, and then um, my friend met up with me for a little bit of time, and we went specifically to some restaurants that were you know, local Filipino food. And we just didn't enjoy like what we were getting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a letdown. But yeah. tell me about Borneo. So Borneo back to survivor. Oh, <laughs> this is the common thread. You're just waiting for Jeff probes. Uh, to, oh, like, that have would, an do you know Jeff probes? Cause if I, you do, let's talk. <laughs> no, I haven't. Never met him. Yeah. I, Long time ago, back in the day, we were up for some of the same jobs at the same okay. time. And then he got survivor. And Did then, you audition for survivor? Uh, no, I wish. <gasps> I wish. Oh, that's I the wish. dream job, right? Yeah, well, nobody knew at the time. It was like this little. I mean, this is people can't remember a time when there weren't reality shows everywhere. Yeah, and uh, it was just this little kind of summer replacement that I nobody know. thought would go anywhere. And, and here we are. I'm. Cr- it's season thirty two right yeah, now. Like They're sixteen filming. years later, he's still doing. Yeah, it. filming thirty three and thirty four. What a gig! Yeah, so amazing. So. Obviously, I've, I'm obsessed with Survivor, and season one was filmed on an island called Pulau Tiga off the coast of Borneo. And ever since watching that, I always you know, wanted to go to the original island where Survivor filmed. So while I was in the Philippines, it's only a short flight from Manila to Kota Kinabalu um, in Sabah. I think that's how you yeah. say it. And so I reached out to the uh, Survivor Island. There's one resort on the island. It's a tiny island that Survivor shot on. And I said, hey, I'm a huge Survivor fan. I actually host a Survivor after show and podcast. I did that for seven seasons. And I'd love to come to the island. And they said, come. So we set it up where uh, I went to Palau Tiga Resort on Palau Tiga off the coast of Borneo. So this isn't, this isn't Palau? No. This isn't the... Okay. Yes, it's not Palau. It's 
Palau Tigia. Okay. Because um, they actually have shot a season of Survivor Season 10 in Palau. Right. But Season 1 was Palau Tigia. Because as a diver, I've been wanting to go to Palau oh, forever. It, it, I, that's definitely on my list to go and travel there. It looks The waters look amazing. Yeah. So I went to this island and... I was basically the only person there at the resort for, I don't know, no one was going there at this time of the year, and they treated me like royalty. And they loved it because I was such a super fan. In the lobby of the resort, they had season one on play the whole time whenever like I was there. <laughs> we went on a tour the second day where we walked around the whole island to the different locations where the tribes lived, to where they went to tribal council. So as a Survivor fan, I was geeking out the whole time. Like, this is where Richard Hatch was, you know, one. And, <laughs> Naked and for the it. hundredth time. Yeah, and I actually went skinny dipping. And I was like, I have to go skinny dipping <laughs> in the water where Richard Hatch went skinny dipping and lived naked. <laughs> um, and they were such great hosts. And then at the end of our tour, going to all these locations, they surprised me with, they were like, okay, we're going to take you to the rock. In the opening sequence of Survivor Season 1, there's this cool rock in the middle of the water with this tree that is like growing out of this rock. And there's this guy holding a torch in the middle you know, of a scene. So they recreated that for me at sunset where I went, stood on the top of the rock with this torch, and they took all these epic, amazing photos of me recreating this like Survivor, epic Survivor shot. And it was... Uh, I, I had such a cool experience. For anyone who's a Survivor fan, I would 100% recommend going to Palau Tiga and, and living that experience. So that's why I hopped over there and then went back to the Philippines. So you've never seen... Uh, you've never been on the set or anything like that of when... No, I've been trying to get on Survivor for years. Right. As a contestant. <laughs> As a contestant. I mean, that would be a dream come Now true. you might be too close to it with well, the podcast. Yeah, so I've been trying to get on the show um, for years and... Now uh, you're in the business and they don't want people... So, like, I mean, business, they put they? people in the business on all the time. They put oh, actors they? on and they make up that they're bartenders yeah, sure. yeah. and like all that stuff. So no, I've never worked Are on a reality Are you telling me reality show? show is not all reality? I mean, come What? On. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, we've had people on the show, on this show, that have been, uh, my friend Jerry was a uh, cameraman on that. Oh, like cool. The first season, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, but he said it, it, once he left and he did other jobs, again, he never thought that it would go on <laughs> forever. Mean, but the people that have been doing it have been the same crew for, for years. years, and they never leave. I guess yeah. they paid well. And a lot of people just probably move up in the ranks, you know, yeah. working on that show. Um, so yeah, I, I had an awesome time going to Borneo. Cool. But don't they have like the uh, the final ceremony here in LA? They nowadays. So in season one, they actually announced Richard Hatch as the winner in Palau Tiga, but then it leaked when you know before it happened. So what they started doing since season one is they reveal it live. They don't they don't tally the votes in front of the cast and the jury until it actually airs. So then. You know, it doesn't leak, but there's, you know, if people want spoilers, they'll find them. Right. Yeah. Are you, so you're not allowed to go to the, that final ceremony? Is that a closed I've taping? been in the audience. Oh, you have been in the to audience. To when they reveal for some seasons, yeah. And that you can get tickets on like CBS.com or, right. you know, kind of, you know, that's like uh, any audience tickets in in Los Angeles. <laughs> you can get those tickets. So. That's funny. Yeah. Who knew? A yeah. groupie, a survivor groupie. I am. A, and it's and honestly, as like, not sad, but it. Survivor has inspired me in all of my travels. Like, uh, one of the reasons I love Survivor is because it's that thrill of an outdoor adventure and kind of, I love the competition aspect of it, but I love every season watching the new locations they go to, and it, it's a travel show. I guess, in a way, like the trek you did on Solo was kind of like yeah. your own mini version. Yeah, yeah. But have you thought of like going to some remote island on your own and, and just, doing like a naked and afraid? Yeah, do your own. Yeah. I would, but I haven't pursued it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say you used to play. With your family, yeah. set up a game. How did that work? So I actually have a small company called Reality Rush, and we run full-scale adventures based off reality TV game shows for people like Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race, The Mole. And the Survivor games I've done for my family and clients is like a – it could be a one-day to a three-day game. So for my family, for example, we had a forest. I put them in two campsites and created – challenges just like the show i was jeff Probst, and you know had them compete in these challenges and then every couple hours they would vote people off and uh then they would merge as a tribe and then keep playing the game as if they were on the tv show so with my company we do events like that we've done big brother games the mole team building events scavenger hunts throughout the city and different cities throughout the u.s and it's it's fun wow yeah, seems like a lot cool. of work it's good it's fun work it's 
giving people who love these reality shows the experience of having that weekend version of playing the games, it's addicting. Everyone who we run these games for, they want to keep playing them. I have a group <laughs> of college friends um, who we get together every year in the past 10 years. We meet at a different city in the United States and play a reality game. We play Survivor, Amazing Race, Big Brother, The Mole. And it's literally gotten a group of 14 to 20 of us together every year for 10 years. And it's our group tradition to play in these games with each other. Oh, that's fun. We backstab each other <laughs> and we lie to each other and we like get off on lying to each Has other. Has it led to any fights or anything? Oh, yeah. You oh, know, really? hurt feelings, tears, <laughs> yelling matches. But at the end of the day, you like it makes you have this shared experience and this bond with each other that you cannot explain to people. Like It's crazy. How do so you run the mole game? Yeah, so did you watch The Mole? I didn't really watch it. But so The Mole is where a group of people... It's not on anymore, right? No, it was Anderson Cooper was the original host right. for it. And then they it went away after two seasons, and they brought it back like a celebrity version of it. Ahmad Rashad was the host, uh-huh. and Kathy Griffin won one of the seasons. But So The Mole is where like a group of people will work together to try and complete a task for a certain amount of money, but one of the people in the group is secretly trying to sabotage the group's mm. effort to make money. And then after a couple challenges, you'll take a quiz on the identity of who you think the mole is. Is the mole male or female? In this challenge, did the mole eat pig's feet or duck feet? You know, And the person with the lowest score gets eliminated, and then whoever survives all the quizzes it wins the money. So it's fun. <laughs> I'm a big game show fanatic yeah, as well true. as a traveler. Have you have you been reading for any game shows? There's uh, not as many anymore. Yeah, there's not as, nowadays with hosting stuff. I don't know if you would agree or not. And a lot of it when I moved out here was you know people auditioning and getting stuff. Then it became a name. We need a celebrity. Yeah, and then I'm it became, finding that. And then now it became now it is. Are you a social media influencer? Yes. So I'm it's, that. it's been that's been kind of the the progression of what I've seen with the hosting stuff uh, out here is gone from that so now it's how many instagram how many YouTubers, twitter followers twitter and followers youtube followers you have all of that yeah i feel like i'm in a different world sometimes it's changed i've watched everything change in a weird way but it's very i don't know it's its own thing but i mean social media skills and you, know, you can attest to this that yeah. it, it, it's its own there's a definite skill to it but it's you can ch- also buy followers it's too a, it's so a it's job a, it, it is. is it is a job and you gotta like it and those who are good at it are very good at it yeah and i am i wish i was better at it i wish i liked it more yeah but yeah i love instagram instagram out of all the social media is my favorite because i love taking pictures and photography while i'm traveling so sharing that my travels on instagram i definitely love that's kind of my favorite form of social media and, and i think twitter is the best for actually inter- when i did my survivor after show and podcast that was the best to actually interact with the fans um what uh we should give your twitter and instagram handles uh my instagram is at atw justin and same with my twitter atw justin yeah, so around the world with justin i have a travel blog called around the world with justin dot com dot com and either atwjustin for short dot com or around the world with Justin. I started it actually. I'm coming up on the year anniversary of launching it. Congratulations! Yeah, I launched it April seventeenth, and I did it. I had been traveling for about ten years, and just like now is the time I want to share what I've done and and hopefully give kind of guides. And if people want to have these experiences, this is how I approach my posts. Are what would I have wanted to know before I went there? How did I get there? What to do there? Um, here's where I stayed. Kind of all those tricks of what I did. And then I try to give takeaways of what I learned or what I did or and kind of just a very personal experience with my blogs. Um, and that's what I've been doing over the past year. And I've I've really enjoyed doing it. And uh, some of you know things I've done on it, like one of uh, my most popular posts was I went to the Lantern Festival in Thailand. Um, okay. The Yi Ping Lantern Festival. I haven't been to that one. I've been to Thailand like four yeah, did you go times. to any lant- the lant- the I big didn't... lantern festival? No. Is that so, where you light them and yes. they go up in the so air? that's in November, like in uh, the movie Tangled or those car commercials where thousands of people all have lanterns and then at the same time light them and release them into the air. And it's actually a religious festival and ceremony of the idea is letting go of negative energy. And that's what the lanterns are symbolizing in hopes of like putting good fortune into your life. And there's a whole ceremony and, you know meditating for buddha and all of that before it and it was it was a stunning beautiful experience to be there with people from all over the world and lighting the lanterns putting our wishes out there and and being there in that moment 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. If you if you go back to Thailand in November, that's what you need to do. I think I just missed it because I went there last year for uh, last two years for media trips. Oh, cool! And it was around that time, but uh, yeah, we missed that one. Nice. I I took play. I took part in a Y crew ceremony, which oh. was the. Um, uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai oh, yeah, ceremony. Yeah. And then I went to a, a school there and I did a sword fighting school. Oh, cool. And then this past year, I went to uh, Pattaya for a golf uh, weekend. Nice. So I golfed in these places. Awesome. So, yeah, it was really great. Thailand's still one of my favorite places. In the I, world. I like Thailand. Again, a lot of food reasons. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, where, where do you want to go that you haven't been? Up on my list, well, the f- I am, I met you through Travel Massive. Yeah, and I've only been going to Travel Massive for three months now, and I absolutely love it. I th- I like getting to meet people in the travel world, and I have not been to Europe. What? I haven't been to Europe, so I've done all this travel and I haven't been to Europe. And That's the- astonishing. Did to you me. go to the Visit Britain event? Yes. So I won the Europe, the Czech right. Wales. You did win. <laughs> was that I won first, it. Was that your first event? That was my first oh, event. Son of a bitch. So I have never won anything. It's so crazy because that was my first event, and I didn't know anybody there. I just showed up, and the obviously the sweepstakes was, you know, give us your amazing moments. And I tweeted out that my amazing moment would be stepping foot in Europe for the first time. Ugh. And I won that trip to Wales. <laughs> so uh, I tried to plan that for May. It didn't work out because I needed to give them 60 days notice, and I didn't see that in the clause. So I'm going to try and go in September, but I definitely need to do a backpacking trip through Europe, and I also really want to get to Iceland. Have you been to Iceland? No, I was actually just before you got here, because I'm going to uh, I have to work a cruise at the end of May, Okay, and I'm going to end up in Amsterdam, and I'm going to stay through probably most of June in Europe, Yeah, and I'm working on flights and how to get back, and then sometimes Iceland Air okay. has deals where they'll fly you back or to Europe, but you have to do a stopover oh. in Reykjavik. Okay. And so it's I mean, a pretty good deal. A good deal? Yeah. A good stopover. A free stopover, and then you know you stay for a few days. And, yeah. I mean, and It's a small is... island. You don't have to spend too much time there. Every it's time expensive. I, so every time wanna... I see pictures or yeah. people, it's gorgeous. I, yeah. I want to get to Iceland, so that's definitely high on my list. And from the UK, it's very doable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, yeah. Even so if you it... have the... So you have a free round trip to the UK. Yeah. So I have a trip to London, and then what I'm going to do is extend that trip and either try to get to Iceland or my cousin cousin is going to Oktoberfest in Germany, so oh, I might try yeah. and meet up for Oktoberfest. Yeah. yeah, you can... Uh, the best thing about that is they'll fly in and out of London. Okay. Right? Probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, from London, there's five airports. You can go anywhere in Europe from yeah. there. Like, you can take a little easy jet or whatever for yeah. nothing. So, yeah, that's simple. And I got to get to Italy. Italy is on my high on my list for Definitely. European countries. I'm Italian. My family's from oh. Sicily. Gotta Sicily's cool. There. I've been there a couple times. It's yeah. great. Yeah, boy, I can't believe that's so weird. I know it's it's crazy because I always I've gone to all these kind of you know Central South America and then Southeast Asia, Oceania, and I've stayed away from Europe. I think just because I feel like Europe is so attainable to get to, and I feel like well, it is like I'll be able to I'll be doing it eventually. Whereas while I'm in my twenties and thirties, this is when I want to do all these crazy. Yeah, I see the logic there. You know, yeah, I'm with you. Um, But there are mountains there too. Yeah. You know, there's the Alps. Gotta get there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool mountain ranges. Yeah. Um, Definitely for outside stuff and and for nature, go to Switzerland too. And I got to do more of the the city stuff. You know, I got to, I got to, you know, go to Rome and go to... The best thing are that like Rome is the eternal city. It doesn't Mm -hmm. change that much. And so you're right. It doesn't really change that much. So you can always go. Well, I just in, I was in Scandinavia last year for three weeks and, or this past summer, three weeks and then... Uh, Spain for a week, and it is something like that. It was, you know, I was there. It, it's so clean and yeah. easy and safe and modern. I mean, yeah. I could have done it at sixty. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I loved it, but yeah. I could have done Where, it at 60. Try sixty. Walking around these know. beautiful old medieval cities. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the walking will be a little more difficult when I'm older, but I can still do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, my my parents are in there. 60s and when they were in their late 50s they were doing europe you know yeah like, i mean you eventually can do it. i'll be getting there you know even you know probably sooner than later but you know i want to do all these crazier adventures while i can well i still haven't been to wales i've been around it I've okay been, i've been in the uk a bunch of times but i still haven't been to wales so cool and if you I'll can get you know up it goes. and scotland if you can mm-hmm. get up there yeah great and hiking. even i have uh one of my good 
good friends now, but was one of my teachers in high school who I've kept in touch with. She lives outside of Dublin. She's like, just hop on the, hop on the boat. Yeah. yeah. And someone from my Guatemala trek that I did, uh, in El Miro door, they got married and they're like, come visit us in Ireland. So it's like, everyone's just like, come visit because it's so close to a lot of things. Yeah. You can stretch that whale strip. Yeah. I got it for a while. Thank you. Visit Britain. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm using. And it's like, this cruise company is going to fly me out there and I'll do the gig. It's just like, I just want the air. Fair, yeah. and then I'll figure out my own. I'm actually doing. Um, I leave on Saturday. Have you heard of the Fathom Cruises? Yeah, the Impact Travel. Um, that's there. It's I'm going on a cruise. I, there is through Matador. Um, yes. So I there, there's an opportunity through Matador that I saw, and it's going as a travel blogger on a cruise to the Dominican Republic from Miami and doing a week long service trip uh, where it's going to be travel writers or some bloggers are going as kind of sponsored. Wait a minute. When is this? This is I'm going Saturday. Yeah, I, I just saw Rachel Rudwall. Oh, is she going? Uh, last night at my I've event. I've never met her because uh, I think she is from Travel Massive. Spencer, I found out is going. On. Yes, she, her and Spencer. Are well, going. then I'll be because I found out that from Kelly, who runs Travel Massive, that yeah. Spencer's going on the same trip I'm going. So I was like, oh great, I'll get to meet them and actually that sounds get to very know fun. Them yeah, so it's. It's we'll be on the they haven't given us a lot of detail, but we'll be on the cruise for a week. We spend four days volunteering on the ground in the Dominican Republic. And before that, we go to kind of seminars and group workshops where we're kind of learning the art of crafting a story and storytelling and just like what, you know, that that kind of seminar. So it's not necessarily a party cruise. It's more of a focus on making impact while you're traveling. In in college, I did a service trip to Jamaica where we spent a week in Kingston, Jamaica. And so I have a feeling it's going to be very similar to that, where it's immersing ourselves in that kind of culture, environment, and giving back in however way we can. So I'm excited to see what the opportunity is and to meet the people doing it. So funny. She was talking about this last night. I guess it was supposed to be at another time, and then the ship, they forgot to clear it with the Coast Guard or No. Something. And that's why it was delayed. Did it get delayed oh, or something? Oh, they haven't told – I just talked to the, the cruise people yesterday, and they didn't tell me about any yeah. delays. I could be, you know, allegedly. Oh yeah, you know, I don't want to put where I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But yeah, that's what. Yeah, she was talking about it. Though, oh my so gosh, so cool! You can have a great time. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, say hi to those guys. I will. I will. Because I, like I, I listened to your podcast when Spencer came out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, Rachel came out to the event last night for Taiwan. So awesome. That's, she was talking Which about I it. We're asking each other when's our next uh, trips. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I don't know. Is Joshua? No, I don't know if Joshua Johnson is going on that one. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't heard. I, the only reason I heard about uh, Spencer was because I just recently saw Kelly. Okay. And she told me, oh my gosh, Spencer's going on and that. And Kelly's not going. Kelly's not going. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. Um, so what do you want the... Like, what do you, what is the direction you want to see the website go into? And what are you hoping for? Yeah, so what I'm hoping to do is kind of... I've worked in television in Los Angeles for about eight years now. I've worked on kind of like entertainment shows, game shows, red carpet stuff. And I'm really hoping that I can push everything into like the travel world. I would love to be hosting travel shows, producing travel shows, and having my blog and website be a great resource for travelers. So it's kind of I'm trying to focus all my energies into the travel world. And it's definitely a community that it's like any other community that I have, I feel I've been in it three months now, even though I've done all this travel, it's been nice going to these networking events and actually seeing, Oh my gosh, there's, there's a really people like me. There's people like you and the travel (laughs) blogging community, by the way, I do have a blog. Yeah. Well, I've Yeah. A blog. I've written for other. So things. yeah, the travel blogging community is like there's the popular. It's like it's like any other world. Like the well, top bloggers all know each other, and yeah. they're like the popular. It's like well, what you is remember this, crazy? this you've done like I did celebrity interviews for years, and mm-hmm. you know, and there's the that publicist world, and then you would go to the film junkets, yeah, and it's the same reporters every. This is what they do every week. Yes. And so like, oh, and even I'm, that girl from Miami again yeah. outlet station and she's doing her same reporting I mean it's totally the lifers the and, Jiminy Glicks yeah the, and, uh, and now world. that I'm like learning more about the blogging which over the past even the past month or two I've really actually learned about the intricacies of how to make your blog better with SEO and all these things that yeah. I had no those are like, things I know nothing about oh my gosh and I need to know about it but, is a science it and, is and it was actually one when I uh, one of the reasons I learned about Travel Massive was when I, before I went to the Philippines, I just looked on Instagram. One of my favorite things to do when I'm traveling for inspiration is to just look on Instagram. So I was looking at 
pictures of the Philippines and I hit up um, this account called Who Needs Maps? And she, Jen, it was a traveling couple. Jen started hitting me back with advice and she was super helpful. And then we realized, oh my gosh, you live 10 minutes from me in LA. <laughs> and then she introduced me to what Travel Massive was and all these things I'd never even heard about. And then she's taught me a lot about SEOs and how you have to be strategic on what your SEO search keywords are with the blog. And then how you have to do it with the pictures and then how you need to have a Pinterest and all these things that will drive traffic and stumble upon and things I'd never heard of before. So the last month and a half, two months or so, I've been really trying to focus on, okay, I have this, what I think is good content. Now, how do I get that content out there? You know, and it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It it's is a lot of work. It's, uh, you know, you have to, it's marketing. You yeah. It's your marketing. business hat in. It is. And, um, it's a skill, like I said, like anything else that I never really had that sales gene, yeah. but you have to have it, you know, if you're going to do, but that's all part of this business as well. You know, totally. Promotion. Yeah. And I, I mean, like my dream job would be to, be doing travel shows and producing them and hosting them. And that's kind of, you know, how many other people would say that, but that is, and I, you know, have produced and hosted some of my own content that I'm out there pitching and trying to sell. And um, hopefully that'll, that'll come together soon. And one nice thing coming up on the year of my blog, like this cruise opportunity. And then next month I'm supposed to go to Chattanooga, Tennessee and do an outdoor kind of kayaking, rock climbing thing. These opportunities are happening because of my blog. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see after a year that, oh my gosh, I am getting opportunities that I wouldn't have had before because I do have this platform that I've worked hard on. And, you know, it's basically being paid to travel. I mean, the trips are sponsored uh, and I'm not, paying to right. do that yeah, right. you know but you know, i'm not getting paid to grow right. but i am getting paid if because... only my landlord accepts yeah, yeah, if only... <laughs> that's if, the rub if, it's if like... you need to rent out the bottom place here yeah. uh, would you accept that as your rent you know yeah exactly uh, but it's cool it's definitely an awesome opportunity to be go going on these trips and these are a couple of my first ones that are in that vein of being sponsored so i'm excited to see where that goes and hopefully just keep trying to push forward with the travel content and and writing and hosting and producing and you know how it goes in LA juggling a million things you throw it all up against the wall you and see hope what sticks, sticks right yeah, yeah. Uh, well tell people again the the websites and yeah. where they can find you so my travel blog is around the world with Justin and my Instagram and Twitter all my handles are ATW Justin so that's where you can find me J U S T I N yes J U S T I N so around the world with J U S T I N I had a friend who did was T O N. It was oh, it was really? Yeah, no. everybody got it wrong. Like, <laughs> Why don't you change? A T W else... J U S T I N. Right. Well, yeah. and uh, and the TV shows are only in L A. Yeah, those are L A. based shows. So if you live in Los Angeles, you look them up. Some are on Time Warner. They're on like the L A. Thirty Six Channel, the L A. County Channel, the City TV Santa Monica Channel. So they're all local based channels. I've had friends in Glendale who like will watch their local Glendale channel, and then I'm getting pictures of me doing a a butt workout on the beach in Santa Monica. You know. <laughs> It's like, all right, this Wait, is Wait, which crazy. channel is this again? I know. Well, it's funny because it was this, this uh, that one specifically was this workout called Cuerpasso, and it's this, like, this Brazilian soccer player who does these, like, workouts on the beach. I didn't think butt-related. I knew it was Brazilian. Yeah. I knew it was Brazilian. And it's the whole class is women, and I had to do it because my female co-host was pregnant. Oh, how <laughs> So convenient. she couldn't do it. But it was, it was a fun class. <laughs> <laughs> so, and if people want to do, like, a Survivor game? Oh, yeah. If you're interested in a reality-based adventure, we do custom adventures based off reality TV games and formats, realityrush.com. And we do events for people that it from scavenger hunts to full scale weekends based off reality game shows. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks yeah. for coming here, man. Thank I you so much. It. Awesome. Justin Walter, everybody. I